0: Okay, so we are ready for lesson five. This is David and Saul. And I'm going to read the first part of 1 Samuel chapter 16 here, the first 13 verses. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem and the elders of the the town, sorry, trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord, sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for he is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So if we look at our questions here on this lesson, the first question is, what had the reign of Saul demonstrated about the kind of man the king of Israel would need to be? He's not judging the outside of the person, but the inside. Right, he's judging based on the inside, not on the outside, right? That's true. And he's looking for someone... What what do we keep saying about Saul? He's disobedient. He's disobedient. Well, Eileen, okay, he's disobedient, he's wanting to do his own thing, right, he wants to do everything his way, and that's not what God's looking for, God's looking for someone who will listen and follow him, right, and do what he says to do, and, you know, if he's supposed to go destroy these people utterly, then that's what should happen, not bring back whatever, you know, like Saul did, Uh, we have multiple examples of where Saul did his own thing, so. All right, so he's looking for someone who will really listen and obey and follow him. Question number two, who was David's father? Yes. Jesse, that's right. Now, where was he from? Bethlehem. Right, he's from Bethlehem. And uh, that was a, uh, what was that, Ephraim? Ephraimite territory in the past was another old phrase for it, but the same area. But Bethlehem is what what I think we're really looking for. And then, what is the tribal territory that he's in? Yeah, Judah, right? Because he's from the tribe of Judah, so... Okay. So, then, they say, what are... Okay, this this is phrased weirdly. What are these facts important in light of Genesis 49.10? I think they really probably meant why, but anyway, nonetheless, um, let me read Genesis 49 verse 10 for you. Uh, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Right later, Christ comes from Judah, right? And that's that's an important. I, I put down coming of the Messiah in Shiloh. Uh, I'm taking Shiloh is another term for Messiah. Oh, um, Shiloh. All right, I don't have a good definition for that other than that's the place where they put the tabernacle. So, I'm not sure if that's referring to until the Messiah comes, because even Jesus is from Judah, so I'm not sure about that. I took that as, uh, well, I really, didn't, I really didn't think about the Shiloh part, honestly. So, do you have... If I remember right, Shiloh means something along the lines of the peaceful one or the one who comes in peace... Um, And I think it's referring to Jesus. um, Okay, so it is referring to the Lord. Okay. Yeah, I just, I don't remember what the exact translation is. Right, okay. Yeah, and I didn't, I'm sorry, I should have looked at that, but that did not occur to me to look at that. So, sometimes that's the way it goes, I guess. But, uh, so yeah, you're probably correct. It sounds like it is referring to the Lord, but I, I I will have to look at that. Bible Dictionary tells me that it's a uh, sacred city of Palestine between Bethel and, and the tribe of Ephraim. Uh, it goes on to say that the tabernacle was here during the greater part of the period of the judges, mm-hmm. the place continued to be the religious center of the nation until after the loss of the ark in the, the, of the battle of Ebenezer. Well, that's what I thought of. I thought of Shiloh as a place rather than being... And it also has another title for Shiloh. The name is found in the difficult passage Genesis forty nine ten, which is read, which has been sometimes regarded as a prophecy of the coming of Messiah. Okay. Well, that would still fall in line with what you were saying before then. So... I, yeah, I did not, uh, I didn't look at that, so I can't really say since I'm, I don't think my, I don't think my Bible here is going to tell me anything differently on that. Let's see. But I'll take a look anyway. I'll look at the, uh, I got a couple of different versions. Whether or not it will help us or not is a different question. Okay, well, this says, this goes along with what Josh said and what you were saying. If I look in the Amplified Bible, in this instance of Shiloh, it's saying it refers to the Messiah, the peaceful one. So, so in this instance, it doesn't refer to the place. It's referring to the Lord. So, All right, well, that was that was interesting. I should have looked at that closer in the previously. But nonetheless, all of these facts, um, why are these important uh, facts? The fact that uh, Jesse's from Bethlehem and they're in Judah, they're from Judah. Christ was born in Bethlehem. Right. Christ was born in Bethlehem. And of course, he's from Judah. Bethlehem, yeah, it is called the city of David, though I guess at this time it probably wasn't, you know. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. All right, well, I would say probably the only other thing um, would just be that this is where the rulers of the tribes are supposed to come from, from the tribe of Judah, now, for whatever reason, King Saul was a Benjamite, and that was God's choice. So, I—that's I, just the way it is. I'm not going to say anything else about that. That was his choice. But uh, this verse from Genesis 49:10 basically tells us that it should be the rulers should come from Judah. So, other than that, I think y'all covered everything. So, from I think also God's showing that man is a free moral agent and he can choose. And he didn't make Saul the way he wanted him to be. He let him decide which is right and wrong, just like he did Adam. Well, yeah, he told him what to do, and then he well, that's he does that with all of us, doesn't he? Yeah. He he tells us he tells us in the Bible what he wants us to do, how he wants us to be, but it's up to us to do it and yeah. Yeah. So if we look at question number three, for what two reasons was Samuel sent to Bethlehem? Right. He was to offer sacrifice and he was to find the uh, the king that God knew was there. He was to find and anoint the king. All right. So if we look at question four then, and it's going to refer us back to verse two. In verse two, was God instructing Samuel to lie? I didn't think he was either, no, because he was telling him what to do to give him a reason to go that would not be suspicious to Saul. Right. Because that is what he ended up doing also. Yes. Word ever get out to King Saul that actually happened through the grid line? <laughs> you know? Like I would have thought so, but from what I can tell of what I've read and studied so far, I don't get an inclination that he was really tuned into that. Now later he gets jealous of David because jealous is popular with the people and all these, you know. He he kills his tens of thousands, you know, but. Uh, You would have thought so. And then the things that follow after that, but at some point, I guess he knows David is his replacement, but I haven't hit that yet, so I can't say. Yes. In the previous chapter, chapter 15, Samuel tells him because he is disobeyed God, he will lose his kingdom. Yes, he's a, he's told he's going to lose the kingdom, yes. Samuel has to kill Agag, because Saul didn't do it. Yes. He ended he right he's been told I mean he's been told well first he was told that his kingdom was very was going to be limited and then he was told that he's basically kaput he's done so yes but that doesn't mean he knew that David was going to be his replacement at least not at these times yet. So, yes. yes. I was thinking about this question before. Um Remember when Abraham sent his servant to his people to find a wife for Isaac. His servant didn't tell Rebekah everything right away, but he... And he was not dishonest in that he needed water for his animal, because he did need water for his animal. But that wasn't the only reason he was in town, was looking for water for his animal. Right, that's the second part of this question is, you know, do you have to tell everything that you know, do you have to tell everything just because you have that information to be truthful. And I I see shaking of heads, and I I know. So no, you don't have to be. Sometimes something is none of anyone's business. Sometimes it can cause harm, like they mentioned here in this question. that The the information that you give to someone could cause harm. Um, Being truthful doesn't necessarily mean you have to Dump everything you know on somebody. I don't know how else to say that, but uh, um, and sometimes, again, like in Samuel's case here, well, he says, you know, if Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. So he has good reason reason not to divulge everything. Does anybody else have anything on that on? All right, okay, so question number five then. Oh, and uh, let's see, what did you say? Um, Yeah, he actually did perform the sacrifice and did the consecration. So, I mean, really, he wasn't lying anyway. I mean, because he actually did that. Okay. Okay. So question number five then, what kind of man was God looking for? Carry out his commandments, which Saul did not do. Right, that's what he's looking for. He's looking for somebody who will, uh, who will listen and obey. Again, this is this is like we had a similar question. Number one was similar, but yes, um, definitely he was looking for someone who would listen and obey, someone who was wanting to obey and listen to him. So how had Saul shown himself not to be such a man? He disobeyed, he disobeyed right? Yep. He disobeyed. And I think, uh, I think he had gotten a little full of himself and he was a little, because uh, from something Samuel had said about when he was smaller in his own eyes, when he thought less of himself, it's like he was better then when he was humbler. So he became, you know, yes. Um, back in chapter thirteen and verse fourteen, Samuel tells Saul, "Now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after His own heart, and has appointed him ruler of His people, because you have not kept the Lord's command." Right, and he he's searching. He was looking for someone after His own heart, right? But yeah, that's where he tells him. Let's see, is this the one that was in 14? Oh, yeah, this is the first one where he tells him your kingdom shall not endure. Right. Right. I just wanted to make sure I had the right one. Because at that point... Well, anyway, at that point, he had a chance, had he done correctly, to have a longer lasting kingdom. So Saul had shown himself basically by presumption and disobedience and rebellion that he had not shown himself to be the king that God was really looking for and that the people needed. So question number six Um, How is verse 7 related to chapter 10, verse 23 and 24? Do I have that? I do have that here. So 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. So they ran and brought him there, and when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. So there they're going basically on the fact that he's just a very tall guy, right? That they think that means he's somehow better or special. So. So verse 7, though, what does verse 7 say? But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So that's that's basically our comparison, and it could be that Samuel thought, That a taller guy was what, you know, because Saul had been so tall, maybe he thought that that's what he was supposed to be looking for when he sees this other guy. Um, What was his name? Is it Eliab? Because he was older and possibly, you know, a bigger guy of the sons. I don't know. He was the firstborn, though. So, they're just related in the way that it's explaining um, how God is not looking at the physical. And yet, the people seem to be impressed that Saul was a very tall man. But he was not choosing based on physical stature or physical aspects of the person. So, if we look at the next part of of question 6, does this verse mean that the man of God's choice would necessarily not be handsome? And there they're going to refer us to 12, but we'll, that's okay, we know what that is. Right, so the guy could be handsome or not, right? Wouldn't make any difference. That's not what God was looking for. the inside, he doesn't see the outside. Right. Oh, he sees the outside, but he doesn't consider it. Right. He wasn't considering the outside. He was considering the heart of the person that he wanted anointed to be king. Right. And they they just want to refer us to 12 because it does say that David was uh, handsome. Right? Um, I forget what ruddy is, but it says he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And I saw other things that say it was handsome, and I've forgotten what ruddy is. So. Well, Oh, having some color. Well he was an outdoors person. I mean think about it. So yeah, I guess he would have some color and would look healthy and like a a good yeah, okay. Yeah, he would look robust and healthy and with vigor. Okay. That makes good sense. David, is he the youngest of the brothers? He is the youngest. He's the youngest of eight. And I, I, don't think. Well, we'll we'll see as we move on. You know how it is with your little brother. You don't really think a lot about your little brother <laughs> when you're all young. It's just anyway. It's just one of those things. I had a little brother, so I know. Uh, how? Yes, Eileen. So in verse five, when Samuel arrives there, it says that um, the Lord sanctified. Jesse and his sons. I don't really know what consecrated means, but all of his sons must not have been there at that moment because he asked later, Are these all your sons? I think everybody but David was there from what we read because David was out with the sheep, with the flock. consecrated Well that's really sanctified isn't it but consecrated is is a similar thing i i think it has to do well hmm it has to do with being clean to go to do the Yes, thank you. That's the word, to, to do worship. And then they were going to a sacrifice, so they had to prepare themselves to like be clean and be, you know, like, a, they wouldn't want to show up in an unclean state in a, because that would be, of course, that would be a, a very bad thing. Um, I'm trying to think of the right... Yes, Pat, go ahead. Uh, in Exodus 19 and 10, it says, and the Lord said to Moses, "Go to the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes." Okay. Did you have something? Yeah. Okay, that's all right. I was gonna, I was gonna try to look it up real fast, but I'm pretty sure that what we were, what we're basically getting at here is they had to prepare themselves for the sacrifice. Yes, Jim. Did you have something? I looked up. Uh Consecrated in the dictionary to see what the present. Uh, it said uh, sacred or set apart, dedicated to the service or worship of a deity or for a spiritual or religious pers- uh, purpose. So, okay. So, so it's still very similar to being sanctified, then it's still being. Okay, so being set apart, getting themselves ready to do, to go to you know do the sacrifice to do worship. Does anybody else have anything else? Is that does that answer you? I'm confused about the sanctified. Okay. What is had to do to be sanctified because like in verse 5 it says that jesse um, was sanctified by samuel and all your sons were sanctified so what what do you do for, for a person to sanctify them what he says here now this is samuel speaking right he says sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice so that was to prepare themselves in whatever they needed to do. I don't know their condition or what they needed to do. You know, for us, we're sanctified through the Lord, through the blood of Jesus. And um, and we're also, you know, we're... Because that sets us apart from the world and that sets us apart to be gods. Yes, Pat? In the verse before that, you see that uh, the elders of the town had trembled at this coming. And so they were there, and so they were not part of that sacrifice. They were pulled aside. And they, that family were there for that sacrifice. The townspeople were not included, evidently. So now when they were sanctified, they were set apart. Well, they were to set them yeah, they were to you know prepare themselves, set themselves apart for for worshiping the Lord, for worshiping God. Now whether that meant they needed to wear certain clothing or or bathe in some manner or what they needed to do, I'm not sure. When it would see, vary. Yes? When we read it in the Psalms, Isaiah and different places um, it talks about washing and making ourselves clean and right. being purged and um, in James 4 it talks about Blend your hearts um double I think right. but the idea was to come before God with clean hands. Yeah, the idea is to present yourself to God in a clean and good manner, not in right. and then when we come to the New Testament there's more emphasis placed on our hearts being planted. Right. But this was a very this was probably like you're thinking more more physical, more outward appearance. So I don't think you were supposed to come and just show up like fresh out of the field or whatever you had been working at and doing all day. With you saying that then in turn, when David came in, he would not have been up, so to speak. <laughs> he would have well him in the field. Mm-hmm. They sent and brought him in. They don't they don't really elaborate, so uh, sometimes he, I don't think we, we get the whole thing. Yeah. Um, sometimes they many things are left out, I think, that we just have to <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to say and from that. Something I, I don't know. I, I don't oh, know. But wasn't this after the sacrifice anyway? Yeah, this is after. Does it stay clearly when he sacrificed? Because I don't see it here. Yeah. See. Him are not the ones. Right. I think the sacrifice has already occurred by then, and because yes, verse sixteen sheds some light on what the Lord is looking for, and uh, He's not looking at it in the same way that we do, or as they were. Right. But Because uh, the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's why, you know, the rest were refused or not chosen because he knew the heart. Right, right. Yeah. Regardless of the particulars, in the end, though. I mean, that's how it ends up being. He still he chooses David, and we don't know if when they say he was that they sent and brought him in. We don't know how long that took. We don't know how far away David was. We don't know what occurred in that sentence. Anyway, they could have, if he needed to be cleaned up, that could have happened. Did you guys know? So. Anyway, we are really, I think I've gone over our time, so I apologize for that. But I want to thank y'all for your time and interaction, and we'll pick up with this here next week.